Remember what it was like to move or to visit a new city? The sense of lostness, the sense of being clueless on where to find things, the doctor you needed to find, where was the hospital, where was the grocery store that you had the favorite back at home and now you've got to start all over again. You didn't know the lay of the city. You didn't know the important landmarks. Everything was brand new. And, it was, and you struggled. And before the days of GPS, I know if you're young enough, there's always been GPS, it seems like. But before those days, you needed a map. Matter of fact, I was telling someone that I grew up outside Chicago in the suburbs, and my folks moved out in the suburbs so long ago. How long ago was it, Pastor? There was no expressways. And to get into the city, we had to snake through all the different streets out from the suburbs, down Higgins, down to Tui, down, 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 until we finally got into the city. And if you didn't know the route, well, I watched my folks pour over maps when I was a kid to plot out how to get somewhere. Oh, I have a map to show you. Let me be right back. I left it out here because I want you to see this map because without it, you're lost. I found my map. What are these? Know, grow, serve, live. <laughs> I, I don't need this anymore. You need to understand this morning that we are unveiling for you something that we have been working on for over six months. Where are we going? Hopefully you'll understand that a little bit more today and in the months to come as we give you more and more pieces of this process. And how are we going to get there? See, we need to clearly understand the steps or the pathway that a person needs to travel to go from being a seeker to being someone who is a disciple, who is a disciple maker. We then need to align our ministries and our focus around that pathway. But before we give you and talk about these four pieces I need to help you remember what is our goal, what is our destination, where are we headed? So if you would turn in your Bibles to Romans 8.29. Many of us can quote Romans 8.28, page 1201 there in the Pew Bible. Romans 8.28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. And we hang on to that promise. But verse 29, I think, is even more exciting than verse 28. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God's goal for all of his children is to exhibit the very character of his son, 
Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. We are to be little Christs, growing more and more like him every day. Is it not amazing if you have children, as they begin to grow up, you look at this little girl, this is from my perspective, and you say, man, she's a lot like her mother, isn't she? That's a positive thing in our household. And he's a lot like dad. And it's amazing how the traits being formed in our children often are a lot like us. Well, guess what? As we spend time with Jesus Christ, as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, we become more like Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Is that not exciting? Some of you are saying, i got to give up sin. I can't do the things I like to do. Yes, that's true. Sometimes it's very true, but I want to be like Jesus. Turn with me as well to 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Because as I was preparing this message, I realized there was a promise in our message this morning that you need to grab onto. 1 John 3, 2 says this, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. That one verse says that when Jesus Christ comes back for his church, when he comes back for us, all true believers will be transformed into his very image. Now we'll still look like us, but our character will be radically changed. What a promise. And we should be saying in our heart of hearts, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Do you you want to be more like Jesus today, yes or no? Yes. Yes. Is it hard work at times, yes or no? Yes. But when he shows up, we're going to become just like Jesus. That's our goal. That's where we're headed. All of us who claim Christ as our Savior, that's where we're moving to. What is the process? The process is follow me. It's very simple. Follow me. If you would turn to Luke chapter 14, verse 23, page 1111 there in the Pew Bible. And the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Now great crowds accompanied Jesus, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, 
he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. It's important in this passage and in this quest to become more like Jesus as we follow him day after day. The important piece is count the cost. Count the cost. We're to take up our own cross daily and follow Jesus. We're to emulate his life of dependence upon the Holy Spirit to do the will of the Father. But there is a cost. There's a cost to follow Jesus. We just can't do it when it's convenient. We just can't do it when it fits my schedule. We just can't do it when I can afford it, time or talent or treasure. I just can't do it when it's good for my reputation. Following Jesus involves, at times, a life of suffering. At times, it is a life where I say no to myself and I say yes to the will of the Father. And there's a cost. And we live in a culture, it used to be that money was so important, not anymore. Time was so important, not anymore. You know what the... The most important thing is in our culture today, convenience. Convenience. If it fits, I might consider doing it. Being a follower of Jesus is not convenient. It is a life that looks more and more like the life of Christ. And you need to understand, as we start on this pathway very intentionally, it will cost each one of us time, convenience. Our Savior left heaven. It was not convenient. He lived a perfect life, but then he gave up his life for each one of us. Now, these four puzzle pieces are not meant to stand alone, but they're to fit together as part of a bigger picture that they all fit together in the life of this church. Jerry, if we'd throw up that slide, please. This is how they fit together. As someone comes to this church or as we meet them in our neighborhoods, we want them to know Jesus Christ and to not just know all about him. And as they come to know him as their savior, we want them to grow. But just to grow for growth's sake is a truncated process. We want them to serve, not just in the church, but serve anywhere. And ultimately, as they serve and serve with others, we're going to do life together. We're going to grow together. We're going to help infect other people with the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So let me look at these four pieces in detail this morning. D in your outline. Know 
Christ personally. Know Christ personally. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace are you saved, through faith, that not of yourselves, it's, it's a gift of God, not of works, that no one should boast. This whole pathway process starts with coming to know Jesus Christ personally. It's not knowing about him. See, our Savior is full of compassion, but he loves me and you too much to leave us where he finds us. So he forgives us. He makes us a part of his family, the family of God. I shared with you in the past, for many, many years in my life, I knew the facts about Jesus. I knew that he was the Son of God. I, I knew that he died for the sins of the world. I, I defended those things. But it wasn't until after my first year of college when I came home. There was a day in July that I remember sitting in my home church up in the balcony next to the pipe organ. And I understood I was a lost sinner. I knew all the facts, but I never trusted them for myself. I never looked at those facts and say, you mean he died for my sins so I could be forgiven, so I could spend eternity with him in heaven? I never made that decision until that morning. And the facts traveled a whole 18 inches from my head to my heart. From death to life. And that's where the pathway starts. And this morning, if you are here and you understand all the facts, embrace the Savior. See, Jesus wants to have an intimate relationship with you. And can you imagine having an intimate relationship with the living God? What an adventure. Is it not? Amen? Amen. It's an adventure. Do I know what's going to happen tomorrow in my life? Well, I have things on my daytimer, but I don't know what he has planned. And I just stay loose a little bit because God brings people in and out of my life. And it's an adventure. We as a church want you to know Christ personally. It has to start there. But secondly, we don't want to leave you there either. So we want you to grow in Christ faithfully. See, when I know Christ personally, I'm secure in his family. But now it's time to grow into my practice of truth. So we hope to deepen our relationship with him. Not everyone has a good marriage. I think mine is good, not great, good. But if you're in a good marriage, as you spend time with your mate, you get to know them. You understand how they think. You understand what they like and dislike. You understand what makes them laugh. 
You understand what wounds them to no end. And as the relationship deepens over time, you have even greater intimacy with that person called your mate. Amen? The same is true with God. The more time I spend with him, the more time I get to know his heart, the more I understand, at times, how he works. The more I can rely upon him. I trust my wife implicitly. I did from day one of our marriage, but now I have data to back up my belief. And when we first embrace Christ as our Savior, we trust God. But as we walk more with him over time, we learn to trust him more and more with more of our life. Turn with me to 2 Peter 3.18. I want some of these passages to log in your brain so you understand that what we are doing is fully rooted in Scripture. Peter writing to the church there, but grow, verse 18, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. Grow. Grow. Get to know him more. Spend time with him. Turn back, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 5, page 1278 there in the Pew Bible. Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. About this we have much to say, and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. They have stopped growing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers... You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not steak. It says solid food in my translation. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature. For those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. What would you think if you went out to the picnic today and I was sucking on a baby bottle all day filled with milk and I would get done with one bottle and I'd say, fill me up again. You take pictures. (laughs) You would say, okay, what stunt is pastor trying to do today? But there's no stunt. You might say, he must be sick because there are food and desserts on these tables that he loves. And I just sucked on this nipple up here. And then you might think, something's wrong. Maybe not with him physically, but mentally. If there's not a medical condition that makes him drink milk today, then there's something wrong with him mentally. 
what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that some of you spiritually are still sucking on the bottle. You're still at the basic principles of spiritual growth. Oh, pastor, make it, make it palatable for me. Don't make me have to chew my food by myself. Please, chew it up and regurgitate it for me so I can listen to the message and get something out of it. Chew it. There's steak and solid food throughout the scriptures. If you're a new in Christ, suck on the bottle. Get the nourishment you need. But over time, you must grow in Christ faithfully. See, a growing relationship is a very satisfying relationship. Amen? If it's not growing, if it's stagnant, if it's dead in the water, it's like, oh dear, I'm dragging this one along with me. So know Christ personally, grow in Christ faithfully. Thirdly, serve Christ lovingly. Serve Christ lovingly. See, God, when I embrace Christ as my Savior, God has supernaturally gifted each of his children. He gives us gifts. And those gifts are meant to serve the body of Christ and to serve the world. Turn with me to John chapter 13. John 13, page 1145, there in the Pew Bible. Jesus is in the upper room. Jesus has just washed the feet of his disciples. Verse 12. And when Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? Well, we, we watched you wash our feet. Is there something more to it? Yes. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly. Listen up, he says. I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. When's the last time you washed a person's feet? A brother or sister in Christ, you have taken time to wash their feet. Now, we don't walk through manure like they did in those days. I'm glad we don't. We don't wear open sandals like they did in those days walking through the manure. Isn't that a great thing? Yes. But how do we wash one another's feet? We care for one another. We forgive one another. We encourage one another. The scriptures are filled with one another statements. 
Is washing one another's feet convenient? No. Sometimes it's rather stinky. But that's what he calls us to do. To care for one another. To serve Christ lovingly. Now, that word lovingly is not just a nice adjective to put into this. When I'm serving someone else lovingly, I have their best at heart. It's not convenient for me. It's not what I want to see happen. It is what is best for them. Turn with me to one of the most favorite chapters for most people, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But I want you to see something that we tend to run over. Most of us, when we read 1 Corinthians 13, we start at verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. We, we, we talk about what love is. I want us to look at verses 1 to 3. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. How grating can that be? And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, I am a big zero. If I give away all that I have, if I deliver my body to be burned and have not love, I gain nothing. See, I can serve Christ, but if I don't serve him lovingly, if I do it for my own good, do you know how much it accrues to my account? Zero. But it looks good. It meets a need. It might not be the most pressing need in that person's life. And I have to stop and say, Spirit of God, how do you want me to serve them? What do you want me to do to help them become more like Jesus? Show me. Speak into my ear. Let me know. We need to grow in serving Christ lovingly. What's best for them. Finally, live it out with others. Live it out with others. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10, page 1203. It's back from 1 Corinthians. Romans 10, verses 14 and 15. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Well, that's called job security for me. But this isn't the verses for me. This is the verses for you. And how are they to preach unless they are sent? And is it written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news? 
Here's reality. Others need to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and soon coming. And he needs to hear it from you. There are people who will never darken the doors of this church or any church. We are living in a post-Christian world. You mention the name of Jesus Christ in public and some will want to stone you. And when they find out that I'm a pastor and I'm trying to share Christ with them, here's what happens. The wall goes up and they say, you know what, pastor? You're paid to preach this. You're paid to share the gospel. You're good because you're paid to. Folks, you're good for nothing. Depends how you inflect that this morning. You are good, and you're not being paid to be good. You have the gospel and the message of the gospel because you are a satisfied customer. You're not paid. Your life has been radically changed by the gospel. And when you speak about Christ doing something in your life, people listen because you're just a worker. You're out there nine to five, or probably nowadays even longer than that, making a living. But Jesus has changed you. See, we need to work together to accomplish all that God has designed for us. We are to speak truth into each other's lives. We're to pray for one another. We're to care for one another. We're to encourage one another. The list goes on and on. But we're to do it in community. We're supposed to know Christ personally. We're to grow in Christ faithfully. We're to serve Christ lovingly. But we need to live it out together. That's the path. You see, our mission is to invest Jesus' love in you to such an extent that the love of Jesus just comes flowing out of your life, bubbles over for the sake of others. They see God's love because it's been poured in you and you're a satisfied customer. What does this mean for us this morning? The most important question this morning that you need to satisfy is do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin? Not just the facts of his death and resurrection, But have you placed your faith, your trust, and say, you know what, when life comes to an end, when I stand before the gates of heaven and someone says, why should we let you in? How would you respond to that? There's only one answer that opens the door. If you start to say, well, I was a pretty good person, I I gave to the church, I served in the church, your righteousness is as filthy rags. If you stand there before the gate and you say, I have no reason for you to let me in except 
Jesus Christ paid the debt, paid the price for my sins. The door opens. It's nothing that you bring. It's faith in Jesus Christ. Please, if you've never done that, to do that this morning. Come to know him. Secondly, do you think you know where you are on this pathway? Are you somewhere in these four? Or have you gotten off the pathway? Have you taken an off-ramp spiritually and you're just kind of uh, dead in the water? People are growing past you, like on the expressway. It's time to get back on the pathway. It's time to say to God, I've been hurt in the past. I, I have had issues with you. God, in his love, is calling you gently back to the pathway this morning. I can't get you on the pathway. I can encourage you, but it's your choice. You see, this pathway leads to becoming more like Jesus. That makes it, I'll, I'll do about anything to become more like the Savior. Join many in this church who also believe that. Or, or maybe you're on the pathway, but you're stagnant. You're stuck. You're stuck at a certain point and saying, I just want to grow, grow, grow. I really don't want to serve, 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 because that's not convenient. Would you ask God this morning where you're at? Are you stuck? Have you broken down at a certain point? Do you need to call road service this morning and get yourself involved again in a growth process? That's my prayer for you. Thirdly, here is our promise. As we are working tirelessly on this, we promise not to make this another program. We promise not to just throw these steps at you and say, do it, do it. We're not going to then grow together. We are working, we are desiring to move people along this and we're going to do it together. We're going to grow together. We're going to come alongside of you and mentor you where necessary so that we can grow together serve together, and live it out together. And I don't care how long you have walked with the Savior, because the process doesn't end here. The, the graphic on the screen is much more likely, once I'm living it out, I need to take someone else with me. So they come to know, grow, and serve. We become then, over time, not just disciples and followers of Jesus Christ, we become disciple-makers under the power of the Holy Spirit. That's our dream. See, it's time to become more intentional in our spiritual walk with Jesus. It's time for you to join us in this adventure 
to know, grow, serve, and live it out. Would you join us this morning? Would you consider this? Would you pray about it in the weeks and months to come? We will bring out more aspects of this process. Now this looks, in a sense, very simple this morning, but we have taken months to boil down so much into something that we think is memorable and, but more importantly, doable for each one of us. So join us in this process. Let's pray.